0: Welcome to episode six of Coast to Coast Outdoors. I'm your host, Jeff McNeil. And on tonight's episode, we have Steve Elmney, the Rackstacker. The, he is the, the founder of uh, the Stacker product. And he also has a TV show called The Homegrown Hunter. Uh, so as of tonight, uh, I hope we have, uh, I see the viewers are starting to pile on here now. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce Steve to the show. Hey Steve, how you doing?
1: How's it going everybody? Thanks for having me on Jeff.
0: No worries. I appreciate you taking the time to, to join us here tonight. Uh, we've, uh, we've started- Always a moment. pleasure
1: to talk to another hunter.
0: And and you know what? Feelings mutual. It's, uh, it's great. Uh, I've had the opportunity using your product there for a number of years. Uh, works wonderful and tonight there we have a lot of uh questions i guess and uh, any viewers that want to engage uh during the, the episode are more than welcome to uh engage with leaving a comment and uh, we uh we'll, we'll, we'll try our best to answer it uh we're, we're looking at anywhere between an hour and an hour and a half uh, for the episode tonight uh, if it's sooner we finish great so so uh i'm just gonna bring up uh Couple of things here, Steve. Uh, now I know uh, where's that here. It's 13 years now. You have Rackstacker up and running. I know I had it listed as six. Uh, that was a, a mistake on my part, but uh, it's what around 13 years.
1: Yeah, actually, that those posts that you were saying earlier about the six years that was actually on our Facebook, and uh, of course we didn't have that updated anytime soon, but. Rackstacker actually started in 2004 when, uh, I can get into my history a little later on, but uh, we started in 04 just as a personal venture and as we continued to you know, give product to our buddies and sell Steve's deer feed at the time, uh, it actually started to grow to the local hunting community and guys started harvesting whitetail deer and of course, the conservation folks, the retired cottagers and stuff, started buying our products. So we had no choice but to launch uh, what was back then called backyard wildlife products. And uh, Rackstacker was just the, the the brand of deer feed, but it caught on very quickly. And and oh, about a year and a half after registering the company in 2008, I uh, resigned from my my sales position that I sold product all over Canada and started to do it full time. So I've been full time 12 years now.
0: Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's tremendous. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's some people say it's a tough market to get into with the hunting stuff and that. And I know, uh, I know you were fortunate. You, you did a pitch on Dragon's Den as well, Steve, and, uh, that, uh, I don't recall how that went over. I think, uh, if memory serves me correctly, it went over decently, I guess.
1: Yeah, I was, uh, it was a great opportunity for us. We were starting to expand to the United States, and, you know, with any company, as you continue to grow, you tend to run out of capital at times. And we chose, my wife and I chose to go onto the Dragon's Den and, you know, challenge that, that opportunity on national television to see if we can score a deal. And, you know, in our favor, we, we score a half million dollar deal with Jim for living. And uh, it worked out good. We worked with Jim for about six months. Uh, however, we chose to part more because he was more like a coach to me. He was the the missing link, if I could say so, in regards to my business, because I I was having struggles trying to get product to the market and he had some distribution opportunities for me to capitalize on. And uh, so we never did end up taking the money. However, he was a a vital part of my
0: growth over the last five years. Oh, wow, that's that's tremendous. Uh, Congratulations on that one. Thank you. It's uh, you're the believe it or not, uh, Steve. You're the second Dragons Den uh, guy now on the show. We had uh, Minister Mike Holland, uh, who uh, had the resourceful redneck products there at one point. Uh, so yeah, uh, he uh, he actually
1: went on the same year, and I think he was might have been a week or maybe two weeks earlier than myself on season ten. And you can actually see those if anybody's interested in watching it. Uh, just Google red, "resourceful redneck uh, dragons den" or "rack or dragons den," and you can see the video yourself.
0: Oh wow, that's that's great! I didn't know they were still up. Uh, so I guess uh, the, in the the sake of time here, we'll we'll move right along. I know uh, a lot of guys uh, have uh, asked Steve uh, about uh, here in Nova Scotia. There's there's a lot of guys more than I I could imagine that are into the the food plotting uh, farming, I guess I could say, and, uh, deer quality management, uh, all that stuff. And, uh, it's, uh, I know I had a couple of questions, uh, that come in recently there via text message and whatnot, uh, that, uh, asked, they said, well, we're in rural Nova Scotia and we're having trouble trying to get some of the, the stacker product. And, uh, I, I don't know if you may have. That was an
1: And well, if you go on to our Rackstacker website, you'll see a store locator button at the top of our website on the far right side. And that store locator is a big Google map that shows all of our dealers coast to coast. Um, Over the last three years, I've been traveling to the Maritimes and visiting dealers and growing that network out there. And I'm happy to say that we're partnering with the distribution center out of uh, Nova Scotia that will help us basically get product to market on a, on a more quickly basis. What's happening now is dealers are requesting product. We end up shipping it typically late July, early August, and before the middle of August, it's all gone. But by that time, we're in the peak of our season, and we're trying to encourage our dealers to carry more product instead of just buying a couple months with of product, actually stocking more of it. So if any viewer out there goes to a dealer, um, don't just ask for rack stacker. Tell them what you're looking for and ask them for the volume. Uh, I know there's some guys who are looking for ten bags of deer feed, and what ultimately happens, and this doesn't just happen uh, in Nova Scotia. This happens coast to coast. So what happens is a guy says, "Okay, I need some rack stacker." The the dealer thinks he needs a couple bags. He'll bring in twenty bags. Well, then two guys roll in there and wipe them out. Well, then it's a two to three week wait time. So what we're going to be doing is shipping truckloads out to this distribution center and that DC will be able to fill the stores up on a more timely manner because they'll be using uh, Armour Transport. Of course, if you're from the Maritimes, you know, Armour is a very big trucking company up there. So we're partnering up with them and uh, hopefully this coming fall, we will have no more issues. We just need the consumers to go and tell their dealers to carry more product because they often run out on a regular basis.
0: Gotcha. Now I know, uh, I know you have uh, a promo th- link there that you had sent me there earlier, and I'm just going to bring it up here on the, the screen right quick there, Steve, and maybe we can talk about that. Uh, uh, Rackstacker has the free shipping on $60 orders as well, so if anybody's looking, uh, they can uh, check that out. Um, and there's a codes obviously
1: here. created a very challenging time for everybody. We have to be socially distant. And of course, uh, some of the stores are, you know, if you've gone there locally, we're not shipping quite yet. We'll be shipping first week of May, hopefully if this lifts. And then, uh, what we've wanted to offer our consumers, cause a lot of guys have time on their hands now, you know, they, they've either been laid off of work or they've got some time to go out in the field. So any, any orders now it's on specific products. Um, if you go online, you'll see which products they are. Most of them is mineral and food plots and deer licks and fury bricks and stuff like that. The stuff that you want to use this time of year, if you order $60, we'll ship free to your door. So when you go into the shopping cart after shopping, type in that hashtag distance, that's the discount code, and you'll get Mm -hmm. free shipping right to your door. That's coast to coast. And we're offering that until the COVID has been lifted. So that'll make sure that you get the product you need to get started.
0: So for any hunters out there or uh, just people that have flu uh, flu plots, uh, anyway, just... uh, reach out, uh, you've got the promo code there, uh, hashtag distance uh, on, for orders on of $60 or, or higher, obviously. So uh, yeah, we had uh, a few people there saying hello and uh, great family uh, business and products and uh, so forth there. Steve, as we were carrying on there, I had it displayed. Uh, so a uh, couple of uh, questions there. Uh, we've got a, a handful obviously uh, for discussion. Uh, Why do I need food plots on my land, and how large should they be, Steve?
1: Okay, well, let's talk about carrying capacity for a second. Um, I'm very, very close friends with the Quality Deer Management guys. That's QDMA Canada and the QDMA uh, U.S. guys from Athens, Georgia. Um, And what they refer to that is as carrying capacity, and what that is is how much food your current property has or provides for your whitetail herd. Now, in the United States, they often refer to a 10% food plot to the size of your property. So, for instance, I've got 90 acres here at my own farm that I've had for the last 12 years, and I'm about 10 to 12 acres on my property. Now, that's high, but it's over the last 10 years I've been drawing more and more deer in, so I need to be able to provide enough food for them throughout the season. So if you're small and you're, you've got a smaller property or just starting out with Rackstacker food plots or food plots in general, I would say 5%. And the reason I say that is only because the Canadian population of white-tailed deer is considerably lower. I hunt with a lot of U.S. friends from Iowa and Wisconsin. And, you know, for instance, just to show some numbers, Wisconsin shoots 800,000 deer in wow. a week. In a week. So in a week. Like, that's just the 10-day gun season. So when I go out there with my with one of my staff, Mike Conkey, and uh, I got some other friends up in Green Bay, those guys are shooting five, six deer a year. They're allowed four doe tags when they purchase a buck tag. So the idea behind it is to knock the, the doe population down so that your carrying capacity ultimately climbs. And what they're using in the United States now is, you know, Gallagher electric fencing to keep the deer out. Well, you're not going to have to really worry about that in Ontario or even, you know, anywhere in Ontario or, or sorry, anywhere in Canada. However, Saskatchewan populations are starting to climb, you know, so based on your po- your population, you have to judge it. So I would say 5%. If you got 20 acres, you're only going to need a couple acres in order to satisfy your deer population. If you know you're in a big wintering area, I've got some friends in Pembroke, Ontario that... You know, they've, they've got some big wintering areas. They need larger popula- or sorry, larger food plots in order to hold their population. So I would say start with, a, with an acre if you can, or a half an acre, kind of ballpark it and see how far it gets you through your season and then expand from there. If you've never food plotted before, check out Field Edge and Biggins Radish. It'll give you the summer to prepare your plots and you can plant it in early July, mid July and still have a, a wicked food plot before the archery season starts. Well, so those are
0: two.
1: Sorry, those are two food plots that we actually refer to as our confidence boosters. It's very easy to grow. Um, It can grow in just about any type of soils, low pH, high pH. And I know that we're going to be talking about pH levels here soon, so you can stay tuned to the show, and we'll talk about that. But um, if you've never food plotted, look at uh, those two products. They're very easy to grow.
0: And, uh, that's what I was going to ask there in Atlantic Canada here, for an example, where I'm from, uh, uh, the soil ranges from clay to like, it's, it's a mixture, right? So how does it hold up in a clay style environment? Uh, Steve? Uh,
1: well, we've got, uh, I'm going to start by saying we've got 17 elite staff members across Canada from BC to Nova Scotia. In fact, one of the guys is in Halifax and, um, in those situations, there's clay, there's loam, there's sandy. Here in Southern Ontario sandy, but if you get into the Sault Ste. Marie, there's Kevin out there that does in clay. We all plant the same stuff. And if I were to be, say, designing a new seed or testing a new seed, I send seed out to all these guys to plant to ensure that it's going to work on all soils. And if it doesn't meet their satisfaction, I'm not going to put my name on it. So you can you can be rest assured that if you're buying Rackstacker food plots, you're not only buying quality seed, it's also guaranteed by the government to have a 90% germination rate. So oh, whether wow. you're planting in sandy soils or even clay, the the big tap roots that are in Field Edge and Biggins Radish will break that soil and, and, and do well. Because these guys have been doing it for a long time for me. Some of my staff have been on my, my team for over 10
0: years. Jeez, that's that's a while. Uh, Thanks, Ricky. I just
1: see that post there. Ricky's another great customer of ours.
0: Yeah it's uh it's uh, the comments are just rolling in it's uh it's great to see that steve it's uh it sounds like a wonderful product obviously uh, i've used it myself like i said early on uh it's it's successful uh how how big would uh, a lot of land need to be steve i know we talked about carrying capacity and that but uh, uh i guess what's the word, acreage or hectares uh, that uh, a person would need or does it really matter?
1: I get that question a lot. We do a lot of seminars and when I, uh, when I do these seminars, I often tell guys that it doesn't matter the size of the property. And the reason I say that is because it's the way, it's the, way the lay of the land is. And I'm gonna bring up a customer of ours that has nine acres uh, to the north of him He's got big agricultural fields to the south of him. He's got uh, big bedding, thick, thick bedding areas. And he put a half acre Sweet Success food plot in and has over the last couple of years killed some really nice 150 class deer. And we're talking nine acres. So if you you have a small acreage that you want to, you know, trial and test out or, you know, I'm gonna try this small little four-wheeler trail or little pocket in the bush try it put a camera on it for the whole summer and you will see results because if you take a a small pocket and turn it into call it five six thousand pounds of digestible high quality protein for those deer you're going to draw deer especially if it's in hardwood bush and that's what dave's got you know dave's got a, a small spot i met him many years ago and I actually walked his property with him and he showed me this spot. And every year he just cuts down some more trees and opens up another 10 feet. So he just gets a little bigger every year. You don't have to start very large. My first food plot was, uh, I want to say it was half the size of my kitchen. And I used a shovel and a rake and I picked the rocks out of it. And I'll never, ever forget the day. This is probably 2004, 2005, doing the dishes with my wife. You know, I got a little girl that was like six, seven months old at the time. And there's a a fawn eating out of this food plot literally 20 feet by 15 feet. Jeez. And I was just flabbergasted. And that was my first food plot. My second food plot was maybe 25 yards by 40 yards. And at that time, I was, I was a rookie. I didn't have any Rackstacker food plots at that time. I didn't even have a company at that time and uh, as i expanded i went from a small acreage to one acre to two acres and now we have a lot of fun and we put logos into food plots which is really cool too so we're making it fun and the more you make it fun uh, the more you're going to enjoy it and then it's gratifying too in the fall when you're sitting there looking at something you put six ten twelve hours into and realize that you've got ten deer standing in front of you and last year you probably spent a thousand dollars on bait and. <laughs> <laughs> didn't see many so when it comes down to the carrying capacity and what a food plot will do when you do food plot and you see the results you will get absolutely hooked it's awesome
0: now with the food plot steve and uh i may be going out on a limb here with this one uh it's uh i know like some guys here they say oh feed the feed deer corn right uh every bow season or deer season but but unless that animal is fully, like I guess, eating that mineral or that uh, agricultural all the time, their th- the enzymes in their stomach may not be able to handle that. How does that differ with the food plots? Uh, uh, is it uh, is it better? Is it worse? Any any idea? Because I I don't really have an answer myself, obviously. Yeah,
1: well, corn. There's there's a lot of talk about corn. Some guys, I mean, I. Some guys argue the fact that I've been feeding corn forever, but there's multiple different types of corn. There's grain corn, there's silage corn, there's high moisture corn, there's dried agricultural corn. There's so many different, there's heated corn. And I don't even, like, look into what's called ruminitis if you're going to feed corn. But when it comes to food plots based on baiting sources, think of it in a way that that deer is built to outwit, outsmart, prey or sorry, predators because they're prey they're they're always being looked at whether it's a coyote or a bear or humans for that matter but when you provide a food source that you can set up a camera on that now sends it to an app program on your phone and you can just stay out of there play the wind and go in there and hunt the food plot the favors are all on your everything's in your favor now so the deer's in there feeding just like a grocery store you know think of it as a small town where, you know, you have your convenience stores and you've got your grocery stores. Well, the grocery stores are where your big food sources are, that's your destination food source. That's your big one-acre cornfield that might be over at the neighbor's spot. But then if you've got what's called a staging plot or, or a small food plot in the bush that's a quarter acre, you're going to be seeing more deer in that staging area because that's where they're going to spend their daytime as, as, they go, as a a to going to that grocery store which is the big food plot they're going to and the corn in the field is also high moisture so it's easy to digest when you're starting to buy stuff from you know i have a feed store i'm not beating up the feed stores by any means but when they dry up the corn to a 14 percent moisture content it can cause ruminitis which is toxicity in the gut and it can kill them so they're not taking in the the moisture content if you're providing a, a food source like a high clover like our superbuck formula or um chicory for that matter you get high vitamins and minerals that are derived from the ground are easier to digest you know or you put field edge and radish in there then you're providing a high moisture content above the snow line so now you don't have to worry about them digesting any high moisture or uh, corn that's going to rot in their guts because the moisture is in the food plot that they're receiving plus it's high protein 32
0: to 34% wow well, I learned something new tonight on that one. Uh, I I wasn't uh, thinking of the different types, right? And uh, I know most times here the the guys use the the crack corn a lot, right? So I don't know what the moisture count would be in a lot of that, but uh, we've we, we've seen if they're cra- of- if they're cracking it, it's likely a
1: fourteen percent because they'll dry it down to fourteen to store it, and then they'll they'll just run it through a, a roller which will crack it.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Well, uh, we've got. Uh, We've got got some people from south of the border commenting as well. Uh, uh, Hey, guys, the deer in Wisconsin love Rackstacker. Absolutely a game changer for us. Awesome. So that's that's great. Uh, uh, So I guess we can move on to the next question that I got here. Uh, It uh, talks about uh, the use. uh, when, When is the best time to plant? Uh, Do I have to use herbicides and fertilizer? Uh, And when should I spray herbicide? When is a good time in the grow cycle?
1: Okay, so I'm going to touch on the, the herbicide first, and I'll talk about the fertilizer. So the herbicide is obviously tough to get your hands on. I don't have a herbicide license. I actually have a local farmer I hire to come in and spray my fields. The absolute optimum time to spray is actually in October. So oh, wow. I always think of Thanksgiving weekend as the time to get out there. You can mow down any old fields if you want to try it. And then I'm going to try and keep this short because I could talk forever about it. But when you're spraying fertilizer in the fall, because the plant is actually absorbing the carbohydrates into the root system to, to store, it'll soak that herbicide up and kill it during the winter time. And what that does for a food plotter is it actually has that field ready to go for spring. So you can get in there in early April, middle of April, work it up and literally seed right away. So optimum time to spray herbicide is definitely in the fall. However, if, you're, if you've got a spot that's already, you know, cut down or mowed down to four to six inches, you can spray in the springtime while, while the plant is, is young and lush. And, you know, you wanna spray when the plant is at least four to six inches tall, like I say, the the farmer comes in and sprays my fields for me, so I don't need a, a license per se. But if you can get the local farmer, you'd be surprised on what a six pack and a twenty dollar bill will do for you. So go talk to the
0: <laughs> he might be able to help you. Perfect. No, that's that's great to know. So I know uh, now. If I, I,
1: if I can go on here quick too, this time of year it often can be used because even roads departments are using what's called a horticultural vinegar. Your normal household vinegar has a 5% acidity content in it. And the horticultural vinegar is a 20% acidity content. So you'll drive down the roads and see where the, the road guards are and stuff and they'll be sprayed. That's often done at the youngest part of the plant. So call it early May when they're six, eight inches tall, your roads department will go by and spray a horticultural vinegar and what it does, it opens up the pores of the plant and kills it. So Whereas uh, a glyphosate like Roundup, Roundup's obviously the, the biggest name out there. There's lots of glyphosate herbicides out there. But when you spray that, what it does is it actually speeds up the aging process of the plant and it mm-hmm. does not hurt animals. So I don't care what anybody says about human contact with herbicides. I know that for a fact because Dr. Craig Harper, the professor, he's a professor in the University of Tennessee. He told me that firsthand. He's a He's a chemical specialist and a plant specialist in the United States and I was on an elevator with him once, and my wife was always freaking out that I was getting this herbicide on me and he said it's not a pesticide it's a herbicide it actually just ages the plant and kills it, it basically makes it get old and die and uh so it doesn't hurt the animals if they eat it and uh, everything's all good
0: well that's good to know uh I know uh it's uh it's it's a question that's a hot button topic most times when we talk uh, spraying and herbicides and pesticides and such. And uh, to hear that, uh, it's, uh, it's a bit there that uh, should answer a number of questions from both sides of the spectrum for the most part, Steve. It,
1: exactly. You know, when, you, when you're putting a pesticide, like a bug spray out, that's an animal that you're killing. You're not, when it's a plant, it's a herbicide. So it doesn't affect the animal proteins. It doesn't, doesn't hurt you at all. Um, In fact, I heard a story once where a guy um, had some Roundup and his girlfriend drank it thinking it was apple juice for some stupid reason. But that's one of the reasons why they've probably got it banned from people. And I also heard a guy poured it in a beaver pond once and killed the grass. So, like, that's just stupid ways to handle it. Mm -hmm. But the farmer has been personally trained on how to handle the spray and how much to use. So your best is to hire somebody that knows what he's doing.
0: Well, that's good to know. So, the fertilizing aspect, I guess. Uh, what would be? Do you guys sell your own fertilizer, Steve, like a Rackstacker brand fertilizer, uh, to go with the product, or do you just make suggestions on different types of products and fertilizers that people should use?
1: I would. I would like to sell my own fertilizer, but I, you know, with that said, I, I don't want to get into that business because. It becomes very expensive to be shipping that type of stuff and there's so many different types of formulations of fertilizer that are out there however when it comes to fertilizer you need to understand what those numbers mean on the bag and i often tell guys just to put down 300 pounds of triple 18 because it's a good average number Um, and what i mean by that is if you were to take a hundred pounds so two bags of your normal fertilizer from your local co-op or store that you can buy fertilizer, most of the time is a feed store or co-op or an agricultural location near your your property, you can get triple 18. You can get a triple 13, which is ultimately the same mixture, it just doesn't have as much of the, the nitrogen, phosphorus and calcium in it. And those numbers, what they represent is if you buy two bags, that number, call it 18, is 18% nitrogen in 100 pounds of fertilizer. So when you're putting down three bags, you're putting down high nitrogen, high phosphorus, high calcium to allow those plants to maximize its growth. If you get lower numbers, um, now I can get again detailed, but I'm not going to. If you buy up a food plot from Rackstacker, it's on the packaging and it gives you recommendations based on your pH levels, or you can go back onto our website. If you're in the field, just pull up on your phone, scroll through Superbuck, and you'll see the fertilizer recommendations based on the square footage. Okay. Um, and I, I, think you have a question for me about uh, when to apply that fertilizer. so I'll wait for uh, that.
0: I do here. Uh, I've got a, a comment, a viewer comment here. What is the best all round plot to give a hunter all season success?
1: All season <laughs> success. Well, everybody wants an all season success, <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> and I'm trying to do that, but, uh, what, we've got a new product all out now called Grave Danger. And Grave Danger is a high perennial forage and it's also got annuals in it, annual brassicas. And those brassicas, because they're annual, will die the first winter. So if you want to plant something in the springtime, for instance, right now or in May, I'd be planting Grave Danger or Superbuck. Superbuck's another great product you can use. That's a long-time product of ours for over 10 years. And it's a perennial-based forage. But once the first season is done you've gone through a hard winter those annuals are now dead and you'll have to maintain the super buck with the perennial forages that are there which is basically mowing it every six to eight weeks so to answer your question the first year of super buck is amazing that's why i often tell guys if you're planting called it a half acre split the field in half plant grave danger or super buck And then put the other half in either Field Edge or Biggins Radish or even a product called Sweet Success. Those are all great products to be planting. But the more forage that you provide for your deer, the better the the area is going to draw deer. Because deer are not like cattle. Cows will stand in one spot and graze in in the area. Deer are referred to as foragers. So they're going to pick a little, walk a little, pick a little, walk a little. So if you can provide... 13 different seeds that are in grave danger. You got 13 different options for that deer to choose. If you add field edge, which has got five more brassicas, and then radish, that's six more. So now you've got 19 different varieties of food for that deer. So you think about it as a human do you want to sit down and eat bread every single day as the only thing you're going to eat? No. So the more you have, the more options you have. It's like a buffet. Why would you go anywhere else except for
0: Steve's Food Plot? There you go. That uh, hopefully that answers his question there. Thanks, Dave. See the poster. Uh, We uh, we've got another viewer comment here uh, from David. Uh, I use uh, the deer feed from Rackstacker here in Nova Scotia. Awesome mix. So people uh, people enjoy the product, Steve. Uh, There's no doubt about that. uh, and we've, like I said, we've got lots of comments that uh, have come in here, but I'm just going to try to put uh, space them out a little here if you don't mind. Uh, I know the next question uh, in that we were going to touch on uh, was when should I fertilize? Uh, should I do it before I plant, when I plant or after I plant? Uh, and when and how many times should I till the soil?
1: Okay. When it comes to working the land, you need to understand that two things are gonna happen. One, as soon as you work the land, you're gonna uproot a pile of weed seeds. So for many, many, many years before you even thought of food plotting, seeds have been going to maturity and dropping weed seeds down into the soil. So as soon as you break the ground, you're gonna have to have a game plan. That game plan could be either seeding it right away so that your seeds that you're putting down have the best chance of growing, or working it again. So two weeks ago, I got my tractor out. I worked a couple of fields. I turned under what was there. So it's already worked. It's sitting there kind of dormant right now until the warmer weather gets here. And then I'm gonna work it again. Yeah, see this this photo you see, that's perfect. You can hit that with a drag and see it right away. But if you, I've had guys call me and say, I've got the spot all worked up, what do I do now? Well, you're gonna to have to work it up again because what'll happen is you'll wait a week and then you'll go to seed it down. And then the weed seed will start to come ahead. And if, if that happens, your annual weeds are now a week ahead of your existing food plot you're trying to seed down. So your best bet's to have a plan of action and say, okay, the first Saturday of May or the, the nice sunny day of May, we're going to, we're going to seed, have a game plan. to know that you're going to split the field in half and plant super buck or whichever, and have that seed at your door ready to rock. And that's why we're offering this free shipping for $60 or more on our website because guys need that in hand. They're not gonna wait for COVID to take a walk. They're gonna be upset at me because I'm not willing to provide the seed or the store's not open to go buy from. So your best bet's to go on our site, get the product to your door. We're gonna eat the freight on it so that it gets to you on time. Um, luckily for us, we have some great relationships with Campar and Purelader, so they can get it out there pretty quick. Unless it's a postal office, we gotta ship by mail. But um, we're getting a lot of online orders lately, and shipping daily with that, just to make sure guys have their product in hand, so that when the, the land is worked, you see it immediately. Now, with that said, you also asked about some fertilizer, when to plant, or sorry, when to fertilize after planting, and whether or not you fertilize while you work the land. Um, think of it this way, when your seeds are small, some people say that it could burn the seed. I don't think it'll burn the seed. What I think is the best bet. And I do this all the time personally is I'll seed it down and I'll pack the plot, which packs all the air out of pockets, out of the soil. And then I wait about three to four weeks. Once the plants are up a little ways, you know, call it three, four inches. That's when I'll fertilize. And the reason for that is if you were to fertilize prior to working the land, you're going to disc all that fertilizer, call it two, three inches down, and your seeds aren't even there yet. So by the time it starts dissolving and seeping into the ground, you're losing all that fertilizer. So if you were to seed down your plot, pack it, and then say, I'm going to wait three weeks, four weeks, that also helps the pocketbook because it's going to cost you – $200 $200 to fertilize an acre. So if you're planning a half an acre, wait three weeks, you get paid, go get some fertilizer, you're out 60 bucks, and then you can fertilize properly and don't worry about hurting the plants. Broadcast the fertilizer with a broadcast spreader right over top of the plants, drive your four-wheeler, your tractor right over the plants, it won't hurt them at all. And then give it a couple of weeks and it, you'll see some tremendous growth. It'll, it'll grow 8, 10, 12 inches in no time and then what happens is it actually provides a canopy cover so if i could steal the screen here so you imagine the canopy cover all your lower your crop is getting lots of moisture while this big canopy is covered up over top of it so what that does is it helps retain the moisture throughout the heat of the summer so call it plant made two for a weekend go back in there mid-june throw down 150 pounds to a half acre follow the instructions on our website and then your plants will jump right up the first week of July and, and then you'll retain a lot of moisture that is often lost throughout the heat of the summer.
0: Okay wow well that's uh that's a lot to take in for that Steve uh, like I said I'm not much of a food platter myself or anything like that I, I I couldn't uh for me to comment on as much uh as what you're putting out there uh it, it wouldn't even benefit me to make any comments or suggestions personally because I, that's not my my realm of expertise like yourself, right? You have that pretty pretty nailed down. Uh, before we move on to a couple of questions, I want to bring up some photos here, Steve, uh, while we talk. Obviously, this is your new uh, – would this be your new brand logo?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, what we done, we ended up uh, redesigning that logo. This is our original logo that's up there right now. I designed that myself um back in 2010 but when our 10-year anniversary came up in 2007 we wanted to rebrand it so that it was obviously today's kind of cool looking logo and it's really taken off a lot of guys like that logo we offer free stickers to be mailed out to guys houses and stuff and they put it on their gun cabinets and four-wheelers and kids bedroom doors you'd be surprised i've seen it in some pretty cool spots and it's really neat to pull into a small town when i'm traveling like if you, I don't know if you know where Mattawa, Ontario is, but it's a tiny little town and uh, just on the main drag north of uh, north of Ottawa there. And uh, I was driving through there once, and I seen two stickers at the same gas station. I was pretty jacked. And I don't have a dealer in the area at the time. Wow. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Man. So we offer those stickers, and, you know, it's, it's to show a little pride, too. You know, we are a Canadian business. We're a small family-owned business. And you know something I enjoy—I've always enjoyed stickers. Every vehicle I've had has had stickers on it, so I just like giving them
0: away. I've—I've uh, I've got a few there, and my uh, my gun case is in quad as well. So uh, I know sure we got a picture here, Steve. Uh, give, give me a quick rundown on what's taking place here. Uh, is that one of your children, or one no? Of the he's guys? a great
1: kid. Actually, I wish he was my kid, but uh, his name's Hunter Beatty. He's a local kid from Tweed, Ontario. Uh, his old man takes him on everything and takes some turkey hunting and deer hunting. He actually shot his biggest deer over Rackstacker last year. And uh, he was having some trouble bear hunting. And because we are filming for the Homegrown Hunter TV, I took him out, and we actually shot his first bear that night. That was awesome.
0: Jeez. His dad
1: heard the gunshot. It was awesome. His dad heard the gunshot, and you can see the phone in his hand. Yeah. And I just said, let your dad ride it for a little bit. Just let and he heard, he's like, what's going on? Tell me what's going on. I'm like, just let him ride for a bit. It was awesome. It's a great family.
0: You know what? Anytime you can get kids involved in the outdoors, it's uh, it's tremendous. Um, One hundred percent agree. uh, We've got a few other photos here. Uh, I uh, the blaze, Mineral Lick, obviously. We uh, that's uh, that's
1: you can see the snow there. The best time to put blaze or glory. We even have another one called stacked. If you want to hold deer on your property, man, this is the time of year to be putting mineral in That is a very high in vitamins A, D, and E. It's got organics in it to help with body development. It also helps with dilatation lactation and milk. I don't want to say it helps with antler development because ugh, every company out there says that, but you think of it as a bodybuilder, the more you can take in, the more you'll retain. So. The more consumption of that product over the couple of years of using it, you will start to see a difference. A lot of customers are, are loving that. We've had that product there for 10 years, and we sell truckloads of it. It's awesome.
0: Wow, that's that's great. I know I've used it there before a couple times uh, way back when, uh, but I haven't uh, haven't been lucky enough to be out lately. Uh, uh, I know we've got a few other photos here, Steve. Uh, what brought this idea on?
1: I was moose hunting in northern Quebec with some friends, and of course, you have a couple of wobbly pops, and get kind of brainstorming about some ideas, and one guy that was a, a staff member of ours is telling me that we should do this logo in the food plot, and he didn't think I could do it, but we did it. <laughs> We've done it quite a few times since. That took 80 hours to do. We did it really? by hand. Yeah, we did it by hand. And then we did another one from the quality deer management and then we did jim shockey's head his head logo for the professionals we did that one and then um what was the last one we did oh the 150th canada's birthday it was a um, big canada leaf you can check it out online and we um we had a lot of fun we're going to do another one this coming season if as long as we have a good growing season we'll do another one it's a i can't tell you what it is yet
0: <laughs> Perfect. no no that's understandable and i know uh, I know you've uh, got a photo here where you've met Jim uh, Shockey as well. Uh, must have been at one of the trade shows with your product, Steve.
1: Yeah, Jim uh, Jim and I have worked close together. Over there a couple of years ago, we were working together, expanding our brand down to the United States. Eva Shockey and I worked close together. And Jim, He's a, he's an extremely humble man. He, he when we went to here you'll see the guy on the right the blue shirt there that's Steve Valco he's one of my first staff members I brought him in in 2008 I believe so he's been with us for almost 12, 12 years now and so Steve wanted to meet Jim so I took him down to the sportsman show it's called the ATA show it's the archery trade show in the United States and we got in line with with Jim and I didn't I was incognito as you can tell There's nothing on me that said Rackstacker and Steve asked, Jim, if you if you know Rackstacker, and he thought about it, and he thought about it, and he went, actually, isn't that the, the attracting company in Canada? And I just about lost it. <laughs> Jim Shocky knows who who we are. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we obviously got a photo with him. And the cool thing was, is he pulled me into the back of his booth and gave me his card and said, call me if you need some marketing help. And that's that's why I called him. So oh, awesome. really, really great
0: guys. That's awesome. Jim's uh, Jim's a great guy. I've, uh, I've had some prior communications there with Jim as well. So we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Actually, yeah, uh, I'll get him on here for you. Hey, um, if you can pull some strings, Steve, uh, I'd appreciate it.
1: Not a problem. Uh, man.
0: Uh, we've got uh, I've got one photo here. Uh, this is a unique one there with, uh, with the product in the uh, food plot, obviously. Uh, and you got two bucks in that photo. I I had my wife sitting in, in one plot I
1: was in that's called field edge what you're looking at right now is exactly the if you plant that early early to mid-july anywhere in Canada those are the results you'll get with what we call the six p's of plotting I'll explain that in here in a minute but uh, what happened was I was hunting another property and there was many deer on this land and there was Like the the old man, the old fellow that I was hunting on told me to shoot a couple deer because they were damaging some of his crop. I said, no problem. So my wife was at that food plot. I was about a mile away to the east, and I shot the one deer. They were sparring. He, The one smaller deer there to to the right of the photo, he did a big loop around, and I reloaded the muzzleloader and shot him too. So I told the wife to get out of the stand. I had filled her tag.
0: (laughs) She wasn't happy. Lots of meat in the freezer. That's that's it. Everybody wants meat in the freezer uh, for the winter. Uh, I see, do you still do the trade shows in that uh, with the product, Steve? Uh, I've got a couple of photos here of uh, it looks like yourself there getting ready for a trade show with the was local sure.
1: a trade show that we've done, yeah, and we do do trade shows. The Because we've got such a great dealer network now, what we're actually doing is setting up um, in-house kind of visitations. So for instance, uh, the Bass Pro Shops in Halifax, uh, the manager there is a loyal, loyal Rackstacker customer of ours. And Zebedee Banks is his name. Everybody calls him Zeb. Really great guy. He wants us to come down and do a presentation. So sometime this summer, once all this COVID stuff is lifted up, we're going to travel down to Halifax, meet with them at Bass Pro and then have a meet and greet where guys can come out it's better off doing it that way because what will happen is we go to a trade show and it's very heavy stuff to move around. Most guys don't want to walk to their truck with it. They, they got to have a shopping cart or something because they don't buy just one. They buy, I'm telling you, they buy eight or 10. They
0: eight, <laughs> so man.
1: they're stocking up for the season, right? So it's better off if we were to say, go to Bass Pro, bring a shopping cart, bring the kids, we'll give you stickers. We, you know, we can chit chat back and forth and tell hunting stories for a little while and come up with a hunting strategy on how you can be successful with our products. And then that way you can choose what you want at the time.
0: Perfect. Now, uh, I guess we can jump back into the, the questions here, Steve, and I know we've got a number of viewer comments and, and, uh, whatnot. So I'm just going to try to streamline ahead here, obviously. Uh, when planning fall, uh, food plots, can I lime and fertilize at the same time?
1: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, Absolutely. And, what what the lime does, just so everybody's aware of it, it actually neutralizes your pH levels. So if you're planting an area that's high in cedar, like has a lot of cedar or pine or spruce, the needles that fall off there are very acidic. And they can often drop the pH levels in the soil down to 4.5, 5, 5 5.5. And the optimum growing is 7.0. So... When it comes to pH, you want to make sure that you have your pH levels at seven. And the way to get that up from 4.5 up to seven is to lime it. You know, some applications need a lot of lime. Um, some will say up to a thousand pounds of the acre. I don't think that's necessary, but it also takes six months for that lime to actively work. Oh, wow. So it doesn't mean that you can't plot. So I'm going to just kind of. Go through a bit of a time schedule here. So, say it's April, you do a pH test, and your pH test comes in at 5.0. You can still food plot. So, you work your land up. You can either, I like lime when I work my land up because then it's right into the soil and working immediately. And it's relatively inexpensive for lime. So, I would apply 300 pounds of lime to the acre and then seed it down. Once it starts growing, you know, you're considered like a glass half full you'll still have a, a plant that grows, say it gets six inches tall. It may not get as high as mine because my, my pH level's a little better. But over the next six months, you'll increasingly, increasingly see that your plants are getting bigger. And it's often because your nutrient level becomes better. It's neutral to the 7.0. Level. And if you know the area is low in, in acidity and, and your pH level, level needs to be adjusted, every single year make sure you put it in your budget to throw down a couple hundred pounds of lime on that plot because you're gonna need it over over a couple of years time three four or five years you know so it might be a hundred bucks throw a hundred bucks of lime down there and then over time you'll see that the plants get bigger and bigger and bigger and then that glass gets full so now what's happening is your plants are able to use uh, the nutrients that are available in the soil so any fertilizer you put down they'll be able to maximize that growth and of course, what's eating the plot, the deer antlers get bigger. Once they start digesting that food and the nutrient level that you're putting down there. So you're not just trying to make a big, fancy, pretty little plot. You're trying to grow healthier deer. And in order to do that, you need to make sure that pH level is neutralized in your soils.
0: Perfect. So uh, with that, what other factors should uh, someone that wants to get into food plotting consider Steve, uh, Um, what's your take on that if you've never food plotted before or
1: if you're relatively new or if you've food plotted and we're not successful and upset about it because a lot of guys can get frustrated do what's what we refer to as the six p's of plotting proper preparation and patience patience is the big one because you can't just throw something down and expect miracles to happen. It doesn't work that way. It's the proper preparation and patience prevents poor plotting. And the more time you take to put a plan together, you can do your best to try and neutralize the pH levels. Make sure the ground is worked up really well. Spray the herbicide, get get your farmer in there or try and ask an uncle if he's got a farm if, if you can get some spray from him. Kill the weed seeds because any weeds that are currently there, and if you're trying to break up a thatchy grass, it's very hard on equipment. So work the land really good, get it prepared really well so you have good seed to soil contact and make sure you you fertilize. So when it comes to food plotting, if you're gonna do an acre, I can do an acre with relative ease in about four to five hours. If you're using a four-wheeler, you can do a half acre in about six hours. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you think about how much your time is worth. So if you gotta go to work, and I'm gonna throw the government under the bus right now, you gotta pay federal tax, you gotta pay CPP, you gotta put all your time into working and paying for stuff, you're better off putting six hours of your time out in the field having fun food plotting, and I'm an attracting company. I want you to buy my attractants, but it's way cheaper to do food plotting than it is to be baiting deer all the time. And I promise you, If you food plot, you will see more deer in daytime activity because you're not going to be in there baiting all the time. So you're going to see a lot more activity. You're still going to bait. You're going to put bait in front of a trail camera. You're going to throw a protein block out. You're going to still have your mineral out there in the spring to hold them in the area. You just don't have to do it all the time. You're not out there every weekend spreading your scent all over. And that's where the deer become nocturnal. So if you have a food plot, stay the heck out of there. Let them just go in there and browse away, get one of those spy point links and send it right to your phone. You don't have to go anywhere near it. Perfect. Food plots are awesome. Like It's not a lot of hard work. And once you do it once or twice, it's really, it's really kind of easy. It's like riding a bike. Get the balance and you're good to go. And I will I just say one last thing about that. When you're food plotting, you're way better off doing one awesome acre as opposed to three. I got a lot of guys that call me wealthy fellas that, you know, from Ottawa or Toronto. And they're like, Hey Steve, I want to put in 20 acres. Why? Like do five. Cause your deer don't even know what's there yet. Do five and you're going to rock it. Or if you can only do a half an acre, do a half an acre, but do really good at it. Put some time into it, put some thought into it, fertilize it, lime it, pack it and watch that baby grow and take the kids out and watch the deer come in.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm going to move along here, Steve. I appreciate that. Uh, I've got one question left in regards to, to the outdoor uh, stuff or and uh, one discussion point, obviously, but uh, I think uh, we're about 51 minutes in now and uh, I've got about four or five viewer comments here uh, okay. that I want to touch on here. Uh, uh, where's that here? We've got uh, Greg here. I'm limited to open space on our farm. Most area is cattle and pasture. Uh, I run a small Rack stacker perennial plot. In turn, I use the Rackstacker original deer feed during the season. In the auto feeds in my feeders all winter. I winter, uh, I winter somewhere around 60 deer each year and auto feed helps carry them through the tough ones. So he uh, he seems like a, a oh, lot of feeding. Yeah, that's that's up there. We've got uh, another viewer comment here, uh, Lucas uh, Jr. Lucas, uh, what would you recommend to plant in wet areas for deer?
1: Some some spots that are always wet. Are, are, tough, are a tough challenge. The only way you can do it is either ditch it out so that it dries quicker. I do actually have a wet spot that I often canoe through in the springtime because it's very wet. The water, if it's if it's underwater, it's gonna die. There's nothing you can do, so plan on replanting it every single season. And what I often do, if it's a wet area that you can work up, or at least just aerate the soils a bit, and let the sun dry it out, you can work it two or three different times Say 1st of June, 1st of July, and then you can plant it mid-July. And then when you do that, um, you're – I think I was actually touching base on that earlier too about working the land. One of the things you don't want to do is work it too much because if it's in a hot, dry situation, every time you touch it with a disc or a cultivator, you're going to be exposing all that much-needed moisture to the air and the sun. So be careful how many times you work it. But in this case, with wet areas – you want to be able to dry that soil out so it's not muck, and I've done it before where I've worked it. Go back, a, you know, a couple of weeks later, work it again, and just keep hitting it until it dries out enough that it's, you know, not like clay. And then you can uh, seed it down, and the plants will grow. The only unfortunate part is if it's going to get saturated with water for the next spring, it's likely going to die. There's there's nothing you can do if it's underwater. Well,
0: oh, that uh, that answers that for him. Uh, so you got the answer when it comes to this, uh, Steve, uh, this is your, uh, your paradise when it comes to the deer feed aspect, uh, with the answers. Cause, uh, I'll, I'll be quite honest. I wouldn't know where to start you know, <laughs> other than taking the mineral licks and all that stuff, right. So Yeah. Yeah. It's great to see the viewer comments in that. Uh, Ricky, I buy a big tote of rack stacker feed and I put it in plastic garbage cans and it keeps it perfect for you. It. it doesn't rot. So a lot one. of the
1: customers of ours are actually asking for large totes and volume. We do offer totes, an 1100 pound bag. Obviously, Ricky's one of the guys that buys that. You can get that from our local dealer. And you can also buy volume, if you go into some of the stores, if you know that you're, you're hunting camps, buying up 50 bags a year, go in and buy the whole pallet. Get yourself an old freezer that's got the compressor that's fried out of it and put the whole pallet in the freezer and just pull the bag out as you need it. And that's the way you're going to get a better price. Unfortunately, with us, you're going to end up having, um, you know, freight and costs involved. So your best best to go to a local dealer and say, hey, John. My hunt camp wants to buy 50 bags of the original rack stacker. Can you give us a break or reach out to me? <laughs> I'm a convincing guy. I'm sure I can call him and say, you know what, either you do this or I'll find somebody that will. Cause I want my, my model is this. I mean, no disrespect to my dealers. They're awesome customers of ours. And I thank them for their, for their shelf space. Cause obviously uh, shelf space is very valuable to them. However, at the end of the day, Consumers are my concern. I want smiles on my face So the guys that are hunting. I want smiles. I want the success story, of the photo when the guy shoots his deer, or if the, the child shoots her first yearling buck, I want stacker involved with that story. And at the end of the day, I'm going to go around the dealer if I have to, I don't want to, but I want to make sure that the consumer, you, the consumer is taken care of. And if you have a problem with a local dealer not carrying enough product please reach out to me and I will make sure they either carry enough or I will find somebody that will.
0: Well, hopefully Darren, uh, hopefully a friend of mine, Darren Porter, that was on the last episode is watching tonight because he, he was struggling to get the product in Windsor, Nova Scotia. So uh, Uh it's, uh, he's like, I told him, I said that I'd mention it, the the trials and tributes, uh, tribulations, I guess, trying to get the product obviously. And uh,
1: yeah, uh, it, It'll always be a challenge because shelf space is extremely important and when you're looking at corporate stores The corporate stores actually want to have You know Christmas stuff brought out. You know as soon as as soon as Halloween's over first of November That's when all of those hunters want product and you can't have rack stackers sitting on the shelf and they got to put Christmas trees out Well, that's the way they think right so uh, when it comes down to a corporate store, I mean, it's just a matter of making a phone call and talking to the general manager, and they're often very, very helpful in saying, okay, Steve, let's let's make this work. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. So we have a store in Prince George, British Columbia, and there's so much demand for our rack stacker heavyweight moose and elk mineral out there. They didn't care what the shipping cost was, and I said, well, you know, you're going to have to order X amount, which is three full pallets. They didn't flinch. They were like, done. We got so much demand here, and the, the demand is so high out there, we've actually picked up two new dealers in BC because lots of guys are using our elk product out there and our moose product. So, And it goes right across Canada. If you're in Saskatchewan, if you're Ontario or even the Maritimes, if you have a dealer or if you're in Windsor, Nova Scotia, and you're saying, look, these guys never carry enough. I am sick and tired of having to drive 40 minutes to get loads. Call me. And I will make it work.
0: Perfect. Well, that's that's great because the viewers elsewhere are uh, hearing that. And, and I'm sure you'll have a few follow-ups, Steve. Did I lose you?
1: I lost you. Are you there?
0: Uh, yeah, I lost you there for a second. That was strange. It uh, throws up on screen. Oh, there we go. We got you back. Are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? can you hear me hello you're freezing up on me steve hello experiencing a little live feed difficulty here Uh... hey steve well we lost steve for a minute Bear with me a second and uh, I'll get them to reconnect here. Uh, shouldn't uh, Shouldn't be too long. Uh, I sent him a, a text message there, so hopefully I'll have him back here shortly. Uh, in the meantime, uh, while I try to reconnect with uh, Steve, uh, what I will do is uh, run through some viewer comments, obviously. So we've got uh, Terry Smith. Great stuff, guys. Um, uh, we've got Jason here. Uh, Steve just messaged. Uh, he's working on us. Oh, Here we go. We got you back. We had a technical. I don't know discussion. what happened.
1: Yeah, I just Chad all of a sudden it was gone.
0: Yeah, we just lost you there. I was just uh, taking the viewers through some of the comments here. Uh, we had Terry Smith, uh, president of uh, CWTF, uh, saying great stuff, guys. Uh, we've got Jason uh, Curry, uh, best logo. Uh, we've got uh, Ricky here. Uh, I. I'm buy I buy big totes of it, so he's a he's a loyal customer by the sounds of it, Steve. Yeah, yeah, he's from Ontario. I know him quite well. We chat all the time. We've got uh, Jason here. Just put sweet success in today. Great product. Second year with Rackstacker. Awesome results. Wicked. Thanks, Jay. Uh, and we've got uh, Jr. Lucas. Uh, thanks for your advice. So uh, I hope it helps with those wet food plots, man it's uh it's it's been busy steve Uh, a lot of uh public and user engagement obviously here i'm going to bring up a couple of the pictures here that i i haven't yet displayed and we can we can touch on them uh i know we said we keep it at uh an hour and a half we're at the hour mark here now so uh this here is one of the fields here obviously that you've uh, uh you've done some work what uh what exactly did you plant in that one steve
1: That's actually a cattle pasture that we actually expanded. So when I cut those fields, we sprayed it all back and expanded our food plots. What, what we've got on my farm is it's an 88 acre farm and 20 acres of field and providing for my own family, I've got a couple of cows for myself. So we cut our hay and then based on the the cows that we have, we used to sell our old hay. Well, it's gotten to the point now where I'm not even selling my old hay anymore. I'm actually expanding my food plots so because we've got 20 acres of actual workable land I think I'm just shy of 12 acres so two acres of cattle pasture six acres of hay for the cows and the rest is for the deer so and where I want to touch base too, some guys will have a large bachelor group of deer hanging out on their property where they're filming. Holy crap. There's, you know, trail cam pics of great bucks that are cruising into their mineral sites or in their food plots, depending on where they are, obviously. Well, on my farm, I don't hold any bucks. I traditionally have a lot of does and fawns. I have some really secluded areas where I have walk and toss on four wheeler trails. So the, the does and the fawns can pop out of the bedding areas and, and feed without being disturbed. Uh, I do have dogs and I walk in my fields, but in the evenings, I, I'll go sit and I can often see either does and fawns out in the field. So I don't see an awful lot of antlered bucks until really late in the year, like late December. And, you know, I, I hunt all kinds of different opportunities. So to me, it's not about the big bucks at my place. And now I have a couple of younger children. They're 14, 13 and 14 now. So I'm taking them out hunting. So if they want to shoot a two-year-old buck, it's not a big deal. Whereas I used to try and manage for big antlers and I'm, I'm past the big antler thing. You know, everybody wants to shoot that big buck and Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. It'll happen. I've shot, I think 350 class whitetails on 80 acres. So so to say that you can't do it is, is dead wrong. And you know, my buddy Dave that has the nine acres, he's the same situation. He's killed a couple of one fifties and the last two years, my buddy Matt in Halifax has shot three 150s. I think one might be mid-40s. But still great deer on small management properties. So don't think that you need 10,000 acres. This is not Texas. This is Ontario. This is the Maritimes. You know, there's a lot of great, great properties out there.
0: Oh, did I lose again? No, you still have us. It's getting all glitchy there. Now I'm here. I can see you. We still have viewers and hey Jeff. Yeah, I, can you hear me,
1: Steve? Oh, okay. Yeah, I was getting all glitched. I'm not sure if it's my end or what.
0: No, nope, must be your end because uh, yeah, it's freezing up here in
1: rural areas,
0: eh? So yeah,
1: basically, like don't don't underestimate a small property. Uh, if you've got a small property that you can put food sourcing with with a lot of doughs the bucks will come you just have to wait it out and be patient and kind of figure out your land and what what your land is offering to the rest of the herd
0: okay well that's that should help uh move things along for a lot of guys that asked that question i got a few uh photos here steve and i've got them off your facebook obviously uh i'm not sure if they're yours or viewers uh that had tagged you in them but uh we've got one product here uh of rack stacker uh, We've got, uh, another that one. is
1: called field edge. That is a brassica mixture. That's oh. the big broadleaf plants so that you plant the 1st of July. Gotcha. A lot of guys will plant it up until August, and depending on where your area is, you don't want to plant it any earlier than July because it'll mature and go to seed.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, next photo we got here, Steve. Uh, another one of your products, I'm assuming
1: yeah that is actually that looks like dave's property now that i think about it that looks like sweet success so with sweet success if you were to read the it's on the website at rackstacker.ca sweet success is designed for deer and for turkeys it's really great for using in big open spaces because it has taller growing millets and milo that provide cover the deer will eat the seeds they'll eat the smaller growing Excuse me, Sweet Success, um, sweet clovers and stuff that are at the bottom of it. It's got rape and radish and turnip and a bunch of other lower growing stuff for the deer. But then it also provides food for the turkeys above the snow line. So it's important to, if you want to hunt turkeys this time of year, you need to be able to hold them on your property. So Sweet Success works really good for both deer and turkey because now there's a food source above the snow line.
0: Uh, I know we touched on the the tilling aspect. Uh, I, there's another one of your products there that I just uh, brought up. Does that answer uh, the question? That that really does answer the question there. Uh, I noticed Steve that you also have, again uh, uh, I noticed that you have a beehive uh, or a number of uh, hives on uh, on your property as well. Uh, how well are the bees? Do you need the bees to pollinate any of your products? Uh, and if so, which which type?
1: Um, The bees don't actually benefit my, my crop. What it does do, though, it, we actually uh, planted an orchard 12 years ago when I bought the farm. And I put 50 trees in. I'm down to like 20, 25 now. And with those trees... I wanted to obviously produce as much of the the apple crop as I possibly could. And it just so happened that one of my customers that come into the shop one day, I went to load his truck and I dropped his tailgate and I'm scared shitless of bees. I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. I I run like a schoolgirl. I'm gone. (laughs) Anything that can sting me and I don't know what's coming. I, I don't like it. So when I went to drop his tailgate and I seen bees, I was like, that's it. I'm out. I was gone. I'm like, no, Donald, I, I'm not loading your truck. Well, then we got chatting bees, and I said, well, I'll be honest with you, man. If you want a good property to put bees at, I've got clover and alfalfa and beans and corn and bass trees. Like, there's a lot of really beneficial things for the bees on light 100 acres. So he brought them out. Now, this is a guy that had originally, like, 60 or 70 beehives. He's up to 300 now. Wow. And last year, when he harvested his bees... Uh, the honey he told me that my farm out of those 13 hives were the most productive he's got so not only does it benefit me because now i have and if you follow me on my facebook page at steve elmy or at rackstacker you'll see that when the blooms are out of my orchard the bees are absolutely covering the trees and i get some really awesome apples so the bees are benefiting from, from not only pollinating my apple trees, but they're also benefiting from the basswood trees and the clover, and they can get their pollen and their all the other fun stuff they collect. I'm not a bee guy, but um, he was telling me, like, it was funny because one day he come here in July to collect. He goes, I never collect this early, but he goes, there's too much honey. And I'm like, wow. oh, so he's 60 years old, and he's coming over with this box. He asked me to grab the box because there was no bees on it. And I couldn't believe the weight of it. It was 120 pounds. I got a massive weight of honey. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And he's like, the bees have so much food within a short distance. So those hives are right in the middle of my farm. And there's fields to the north. There's fields to the south and the west. And because those bees don't have to go very far, they're actually benefiting me. and I'm benefiting them. So it works out really
0: well for him and I. And
1: I get free honey at the end of the year. So it's great. Win-win everybody's happy.
0: Um, So uh, I'm going to display the next question there on the the line here for us. Uh, Is it worth the effort to put in a watering hole on my property? If I was going to put one in, where would be the best place uh, to put it for hunting in relation to the food plot? Okay. So
1: if you could – Stand in your food plot facing north. I would put it on the north side for multiple reasons, and I'll explain why. So I'm hoping you can follow along with me. I sat in a field. I was on the north side of the field, and I I personally watched deer. I seen this white big bucket over at a farm I was hunting, and I'm like, what is that over there? And he says, oh, that's water. We fill that up once a week. I said, what's it for? The deer. The deer. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like the deer actually drink from that. And he's like, yeah, man, you wait. And I sat in that stand that night and I watched two big deer, like respectful bucks walk up and and drink from it. I couldn't believe it. Now this was also early October, still warm during the day. And I, what I found, and this is my own personal observation that when I was sitting in that stand, the wind was kind of at our back and If it was me, I would much rather have the wind in my face. So if the wind is predominantly north to northwest and the wind is in my face, if you put that, if they're going to be drawn to that water source, you need to put it on the north side of your food plot. One, you're going to have better lighting if you have an opportunity to shoot during the daylight. You don't have the sun in your face when it's dropping in the west. And three you're actually got wind in your favor so it's going to be right in your face and you don't have to worry about any deer getting busted and i never would have thought of water source however this year i i did a water source up in the winter time trying to put an air bubbler in it to keep them watered and some guys made fun of me because they're like well why would you do that well deer drank from it (laughs) so why wouldn't i and if i can provide one more thing that the deer don't have that's one more thing my neighbor doesn't have. So in my opinion, it's worth it. And how many water holes do you need? I'm kind of up in the air on that because the farm that I was on was 250 acres or 300 acres. And he had like six. And wow. he has trail cameras over the water source. So once you get into the later years and it's not, or sorry, later time of the year, like November, I don't think it's gonna be as you know, resourceful for you. But you think about deer being vulnerable and you know going to a water source with blue tongue or whatever any diseases they have, you're better off having them go to where you want them as opposed to being all in one spot.
0: That's justifiable.
1: But I would highly suggest putting one on the north side of a food plot, giving you the you know the, the benefit of the wind.
0: Perfect. No, that's uh that's a very well thought out answer there, Steve, on that, which would uh, should give more people more insight to uh, I actually think i filmed
1: that video it might be on the homegrown hunter i I can't recall
0: well uh yeah well uh i know we're running low on time there obviously i don't know if you mind going over the half hour hour and a half mark a little bit but uh, no not at all man not at all all. uh, i know the viewers are uh loving this conversation that we're having here and uh we've got a lot of comments but before i go back to the comments there uh I'm just. Uh, I know here, New Brunswick has. Uh, they're supposed to roll out their their uh, spring turkey hunt this year, but unfortunately, due to COVID nineteen, a lot of uh, that has been uh, either delayed or postponed till next year. And in New Brunswick, unfortunately, their turkey hunt uh, had uh, been postponed till next year, obviously. Uh, and I know that uh, you guys have the turkey product uh, that you guys uh, sell as well. Uh, it's the CWTF uh, sponsored, I guess. Could I say that, Steve? Uh,
1: yeah, actually, um, I'll touch base on the wild Turkey Federation. So as most of you know, the NWTF used to be in Canada, and there was a lot of really great guys involved in that organization, but um things were happening in Canada that most Canadians didn't agree with. And I won't touch base on the political side of that crap, but um, some really great guys, Mike Holland, Chris Clark, uh, Terry Smith, all spearheaded this thing and they've taken it to a whole new level. They've done extremely well with their banquets. They're expanding every single year. I've been with them for, I think it's six years now. I think they're going up oh, five wow. or six years. It's really great. They've been doing a great job and, they continue to expand. So in order for us to give back, what we've done, and this product that you see in front of you right now, is it used to be called Upland Turkey Blend. So it was really really good for quail and chuckers and pheasants. We still sell Upland Turkey. However, an added feature is organic peridobic sunflower, which is a small growing sunflower that has small, multiple heads that provide a food source for the turkeys. Um, but it, it all helps the turkeys. It provides food. It provides brooding areas for them. It's um, taller grass, so it helps with their bedding areas. It helps provide food above the snow line. So there's got it's got a lot of different beneficial features for that product. Now, with that being said, we also offer a kickback to the CWTF. Um, not anything to be sponsored by, but. For us to say if anybody supports the product, which a lot of retailers support it as well as the consumers, so every year we we offer a check to CWTF for those purchases that were made, and a kickback goes back to the CWTF and their efforts in the field.
0: Oh wow, that's that's, geez, that's great news, Steve. Uh, that uh, that goes a long way for the work they do, and uh, I'm just looking here uh, uh, right now. Uh, geez, I. Uh, We've got CWTF, Uh, that's why I brought it up because the comments were coming in, Uh, obviously. uh, Thanks for supporting uh, CWTF guys, Uh, lots of great information. Well, thanks for everything they do. And you
1: know, it is very frustrating when you see that the New Brunswick had to be postponed, but you know, we all know that it's gonna come. We just have to be patient. You know, it took us 15 years to get our spring bear hunt back here in Ontario. And now that it's here, we're obviously enjoying every minute of it starts next Friday actually we're pretty jacked but at the same time next year is just going to be that much more so you got one more year to get prepared and if you're going to be planting anything for the turkeys this coming year cwtf turkey blend is exactly what you're going to be wanting
0: and uh you know what uh, today is the opening day in ontario for turkeys is it not i know you were out earlier today I had a little uh run in with some
1: we had a we had a really great morning but where I hunted uh, was a couple hours north of a a farm that we have. And we had some birds roosted everything was great. We sat down in the morning and we had three jakes. I got some incredible footage that you will definitely see this year on the homegrown hunter. And they were fighting for a half an hour. It was pretty cool. And then we had a Tom that was 140 yards out and it never committed, had four hens at 15 yards plucking and carrying on in front of us. So we got some pretty cool footage, but never laid the smack down, but we'll be back at it tomorrow for sure.
0: We've, uh, that's, that's great. I'm sure you'll, you'll fill the tags in no time, depending on how soon you want to fill them. Obviously.
1: Uh, yeah. You kind of let things go a little bit. You want to wait till later, a little later in the season, but we'll see. I got two tags. We'll see what happens.
0: Perfect. Uh, now, uh, CWTF Ontario, uh, glory works very well for us. Um, uh, We've got another viewer comment here uh, from another group, Aspen Grove. Outside. Oh, right on! Uh, we are starting a Bancroft chapter soon.
1: Yeah, Bancroft um, is about an hour
0: north of us. Okay. Uh, and then we've got uh, Jason here with, uh, what is the best time of year to plant Sweet Success? The Sweet neighbors? Success.
1: Now, do you have? Uh, do you still have that photo of the food plot where Dave was? Uh, it looks like you. a bunch of tall growing grass. I have that to so to answer the question, that's it right there. That's sweet success. So that's planted around mid to end of May. You don't want to plant it any later than mid-June. And what will happen, you want to fertilize that. And make sure you put a good amount on. The reason being is that you want it to be nice and tall. And if the plant, when you walk in there, if it's not like a really deep Everest green color, if it's like yellow and kind of wilted, it's losing nutrient value in the soils. So that goes right back to the lining and the fertilizer. So make sure you apply that to get the maximum growth out of your crop. Um, with the sweet success, you plant that anywhere between mid to mid-May to end of June. I don't know mid-June, I wouldn't go much later than mid-June. It just gets too hot, um, but it grows quickly. So you'll go in there one day and it's six inches and go into the next day is 10 inches. It grows very quick and it'll be up to almost seven feet high. Wow. So then it gets very tall. You can shoot through it. I've had a lot of guys ask whether or not you can shoot a rifle or a shotgun. Absolutely can. Uh, if you're in an elevated stand, you can shoot down through it. Last year, I hunted with some friends of mine. Mike Conk, he's a good friend of ours. It's, uh, he's in late staff. He uh, he had some sweet success and field edge planted in his food plot. So I was hunting over it last fall and uh, was uh, lucky enough to see some really great deer in there too. So it works really good for cover.
0: Awesome. No, that's. Uh... That should answer uh, his Jason's question there. I hope. Uh, now I know uh, it's uh, we've, we're we're getting close here, but uh, homegrown hunter. We may as well roll into that as well, uh, Steve. While we're while we're here, I've got a picture of your two pickup trucks there. Uh, I'm sure you need that just for the amount of gear that you have to to haul around to to film the show. Obviously,
1: that's actually my new truck right there. I had to upgrade because I didn't have enough room. My old Eagle Diesel was awesome, really good on fuel. I do a lot of miles. I say miles because I talk to a lot of U.S. buddies. But I did, um, just to let you know, on that three-quarter ton Dodge you just seen there, I did 75,000 kilometers on that since last April. Wow. And the mileage is incredible. The power is, I mean, inc- like I just literally loaded it with like 6,000 pounds in a trailer and hauled it like it was nothing. And because of the traveling we do, I need a lot of gear. Whether it's the box to the truck or the cab, we pack all of our lunches and we head to northern BC, we need to make sure we have the power and the reliability. And Campbell for Chrysler has been really good to us. They're a great local Dodge dealership. And we, we've we partnered with those guys because of the quality of the vehicles, obviously. I'm not going to go on like the big sponsor of mine. But at the same time, those guys have been really, really good. And believe it or not, that truck is black. <laughs> I yeah. have Nature of Design wrapped that truck because I can't stand black trucks. And I said, Nope, she's going white. So we wrapped her in white. Mike Del Rizzo, my designer, designed it. And Matt Cherry from Nature of Design, the guy that done these two signs behind me, he's a heck of a designer and he he did a really good job on that truck. Gets a lot of attention, that's for sure.
0: I'm sure it does. Now the the episodes with the homegrown hunter, uh what uh I guess, what outdoor show, network, I guess, uh, time frame, season, do you do you try to, to get it out there or do you just solely have it on, on the internet, Steve? Well, we
1: originally started on YouTube. That was back in 2012. We did very similar interviews like we're doing right now. Um, the unfortunate part is, is because a lot of the interviews were at my farm. I had to bring guys in from hours away. This is a way better opportunity. <laughs> I think you're going to do really, really good with this because this is a great way to just expose people. Like like when I get you connected with Jim Shockey, you'll be talking to him from British Columbia. But uh,
0: it's a hey, great... I'm, I'm, great, I'm, great hold, I'm, I'm going to hold you to that now, Steve.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely get on it, man. There's no there's no hesitation there.
0: Perfect. So
1: um, with the, the homegrown hunter, it was my wife's idea, actually. And I'm going to give her credit for that because... Zach Brown is a very good um, country singer that we listen to all the time. And he came out with the song Homegrown. And my wife's like, you should come out with this. And just, she randomly said, just call it the Homegrown Hunter. And I went, like, wow, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty intense name. So I'm like, absolutely. So we launched the Homegrown Hunter. We just did interviews, had some great guys on. Like we had the SCI on. We had uh, Mark Lapierre from Go Hunt Birds. We had a couple of other guys um, involved with that and um, it it was a really great time so however expanded from there we had more people like Huckabones equipment from Kubota we had Husqvarna approach us we had uh, Badlands Gear approach us we've worked with some other companies in the past that um, was a challenge you know knife companies and stuff and I don't want to get into that big sponsored guide. I want to be able to have product that we legitimately support and actively use in the field so if you see anything with my name on it it's because i'm in the field using it and i i support them solely because of the equipment that they offer and i've used Husqvarna for 15 years i wouldn't jump ship just because of a sponsorship i use husky because i've always used husky same thing with Kubota, the um, great great equipment so uh my first truck was a dodge so it's not i'm not bullshitting you <laughs> i had a 1990 dodge dakota and that was my first vehicle that i had so it was one of those things where you know it just kind of clicked so when it, we talk about networks in our show we have a website if you want to watch any past episodes we've got two seasons under our belt you can go on to hgh that's just basically Homegrown TV.ca. so hghtv.ca for the past episodes if you want to watch an epic video watch the finale show of season one and i shoot a giant 300 plus elk in northern bc over our product and we call them in and it's just epic um and then we did another finale show last year where we were bow hunting moose incredibly close to two 50 inch bulls and never never closed the deal but it was still an incredible show at kb lodge and then uh As we come into the season, we're also going to be having um, more education brought to it. We're having kids involved. My kids are involved. As you can see there with uh, Logan, my son, in the top corner. Uh, We went rabbit hunting in in the second episode, and we talked to some customers out there, and we're bringing guests onto the show. So it's not just about me. Um, For instance, the spring turkey season there, just below the second show there, or first show, That spring turkey season, we had a turkey hunt last year. And while while turkey hunting, the neighbor next door was running hounds for black bears. So we shot a turkey and a black bear all within a half an hour. Um, You know, my daughter to the far right, Delta Waterfowl, they invited us out. We did a Delta Waterfowl youth hunt with the kids, and they did some incredible things for the kids there. So there's lots of things that we're bringing, and it's not about Steve Elmy. It's about just the love of the hunt you know get out there and enjoy what you're doing get the kids involved lots of laughs practical jokes you know going to the hunt camp and exposing stuff like i i like hunting in many different aspects from archery to rifle to muzzle loader to running with hounds and dogs for rabbit and, and bear and we try and expose that to the viewers to let everybody know that there's lots of different options out there as opposed to just steve and his deer hunts I want to be able to expose a lot more. So, if there's something that people would like to see, by all means, reach out to us. I w- I'm going to do a um, self-guided Wyoming antelope hunt, and uh, we're going to go through the show and every aspect of how we got our tag, how we traveled down there, what we did. We went to RVZ, which is a okay. local, um, our, like it's a, an app program where you can actually rent other people's RVs. So you rent their RV, you travel down there, you come back, you pay a small fee and it's way cheaper than buying an RV or trying to pack up 10 trucks. You just throw six guys in an RV and you head down there and you can camp out on ranchers property. You can stay at a rancher's farm and then you pay a small fee, call it 40 bucks a day and stay right on their farm. And to give you an idea of statistics, 58,000 ammo per shot last year from non-resident Wyoming people. So, they have a 92% success rate. Well, what's it cost to go down there? 1200 bucks and you get to shoot
0: as many as you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, well worth it.
1: Yeah, exactly. So why not expose that to the Canadian hunter and say, look, man, you can do this. You know, it's not, everybody thinks it's not within arm's reach, but these things are within arm's reach. So I have the the tools to to bring that to the viewer and, I'm going to continue to do that. And I hope people find it entertaining.
0: You know what, Steve, uh, the, the entertainment value there, just, uh, I, like I said, I've watched some of the homegrown hunter shows and the fact that you guys include adults and kids and so on and so forth. Uh, it, it shows that you encompass everybody. It's just not one, one age demographic. Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, you've, you you do a lot there with that. And, your, your whole movement across Canada, south of the border with uh, the hunting and the homegrown and in your product line is just, uh, astronomical. Like it, it, it mind blows some people when they, they hear that, I'm sure, uh, just based on the fact that it, you started out as someone small and you've grown your business to the, to the point it is now with, uh, with stacker and, uh, the homegrown hunter tv show
1: well i appreciate everybody's support like we obviously i say we i'm talking about my family my wife she does all the administration so my mom she's working for pure Leader and has helped us for many years package products and ship for us We from our freight companies that have supported us and you know yes we've had some really great opportunities to get on the national television through dragon's den and we just so everybody knows we did not accept that money it was just we accepted the help in the direction um, however over the long term it's the consumers and that's where my model comes from i don't it's not about my bragging rights i don't care but if i shoot a 160 inch deer i could shoot a 130 and just be as happy but to me i want to i take more joy in being a part of a guy's hunt or his child's hunt where you know, you, you look at some of these comments, these guys are saying, I did this, I did that, we used Rackstack, we buy totes. Well, it's because they're they're being successful with our brand. And that, to me, I take a lot of pride in. I really like to see the smile on our customers' face. And if there's not a smile, it frustrates me, and I try and get to the bottom of it.
0: Oh, that's, uh, that just shows the business success and that you follow through. You just don't walk away after sale.
1: No, that's right. you got to show long-term long-term support in order for them to continue to use our brand. For
0: sure. Now, uh, quick question. How has the COVID uh, affected you? I know we briefly touched on that. Uh, and uh, what, what I mean, affected you, your business, obviously, uh, uh, with, uh, with regards to how you normally do your operations day to day, Steve?
1: Well, COVID has obviously affected a lot of businesses, mostly on uh you know, the retail side of, you know, calling in curbside pickups and restaurants closing and that sort of thing. Fortunately for myself, uh, a lot of us have land or, you know, whether we're laid off work or, you know, we got more time on our hands, the guys are out in the field playing, whether they're hunting turkeys or working land or, you know, they get the kids out and they want to do mineral sites. So how has it affected us? It's... I'm sorry to say this, but it's actually growing our business. We're having a very successful April. We're already almost at what we did last year alone. So the next couple of days is going to be on top of what last year's numbers were. So I'm very happy with the way things are turning out. Um, But I don't know if it's going to affect our long-term sales because those customers that would normally do their stuff in May might be just doing it in April. I really don't know. But, you know, in general, I'm... I'm happy with the way things are because now I'm able to do these sort of things. I've got a little bit more time on my hands, but I've also had to lay off two of my staff members, which was extremely frustrating because I didn't want to do it. But I, at March break, when my kids come out of school and said that we're the school's shut down and we're going into this pandemic, it really, really made me nervous. And I'm like, you know what, hon? I told my wife, I said, we got to lay the two guys off and just take a deep breath and, hunker down and try and do as much work as we can by ourselves. So we're, we're doing the same volume we did last April with four employees. We're doing it with two now. So it's certainly created a lot more work. I sleep a lot better. I'm exhausted. But um, at the end of the day, we just, we keep plugging along. Like tomorrow, Sunday morning, I'm waking up at 6am and heading to the shop to pack orders because we got to make sure they leave on Monday morning and we're already I wouldn't say behind, but we're falling a bit behind and got to get ahead of the game. So gotcha. and it hasn't affected me as much as I have. I initially thought it was. And I, I feel sorry for some of the smaller businesses that are being affected by it. It's going to hurt them over the long term.
0: For sure. Many, many businesses are affected. And uh, kudos to you for staying on top of things so far, Steve. Uh, that's, uh, that's tremendous. Uh, I know Ricky here has uh, got a viewer comment. How good does the slap cupcake work for bears? <laughs> he must know something I, uh, I and others don't.
1: That's <laughs> well, kind of an inside joke. Uh, I was talking to Ricky the other day, and he mentioned about some cupcake stuff, and I said it was the wife's fault. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an inside joke. But to answer his question, uh, I will say this: uh, cupcake was brought up last year. However. We didn't, we never launched it. It was a little bit later in the season. So this year, so I, I have actually used it for the last couple of years. But we launched it this year. It's extremely sweet smelling. It's got some cinnamon hints to it and stuff like that. And because our old slop product used to actually have salt in it. This has actually got sugar. So it's very sweet well wow. you can smell it in the product itself so it does work extremely well my daughter has been pouring it on every bear bait she can get her hands on because she just it's like cake right she just loves the smell of it so she's pouring it all over the place and loving every second of it but um this is a product you would actually pour directly on the bait but she's been pouring it on logs and along um, anything that's high i like to get the scent as high as i can so if she's she can climb up a log that's fallen over and pour it up there the higher the better because it gets the smell yeah, it of it. travels yeah well yeah. oh, wow.
0: well perfect no that's that's wonderful now i know you got a contest uh coming up there on uh rack stacker uh i'm going to bring it up here steve and uh you can uh elaborate a little bit on uh the contest here and uh i do uh i'll overlay uh a photo here of uh one photo there with uh, a few deer in uh i believe the logo is is there is it not uh
1: So what you see in the back, if you look at that photo on the top, you'll see just the Rackstacker deer logo. And we had a photo contest a couple of years back and I say a couple, but it was probably about five or six. And in fact, Ricky Blay, the guy that just commented about the cupcake, I think he was one of those winners. Um, That's how we got to know him. He's been a longtime customer and friend of ours. And um, we wanted to bring that back. COVID has really affected a lot of folks out there because of, you know, not wanting to go outside staying socially distant and spending time with family. Well, you got to kind of, you know, boost the morale a little bit and hopefully excite some people. So we thought, you know what, I'm going to team up with a couple of people and see if we can do a fun contest. So the logo that you see was designed by nature of design signs and graphics. It's Matt cherry. He's a, again, long-term customer of ours and he's done the logo up now. What we've got here right? you see the sticker. It's about eight inches wide and that sticker Second place or two place. What's that mean?
0: Second place. I'm assuming
1: second place. He, uh, he thinks he's in second place So this logo what you do is you you can buy it on our contest so you click on that button It will take you to the contest details. The first prize is an $800 Savage model 110 It's called a predator it comes in a 243 caliber rifle, and anybody in Canada can win. The idea behind it is you stick it onto, you were showing some photos there before, you stick it onto a piece of metal, a uh, five-gallon lid bucket, nail it to a tree in behind, or put it on a stake like Shane did here. This is Shane's uh, photo, one of our staff from Sudbury. He put uh, the Blaze logo on there. But you, you put the Rack Stacker works and the RX, we've had the question come up before about the RX and why Rx. Well, our new slogan is Rack Stacker is the prescription for your deer hunting success. So the RX represents the prescription. Uh, if you want product that actually works, if you're sick and tired of buying product that's kind of, you know, I'm not gonna beat up other companies, but there are some products out there that are just hocus pocus. Well you have my personal word that I've designed 80% of the products that are on our line and they're going to work. And I've done a lot of studies and my background in nutrition proves it. Um, So what I've been promoting is the Rackstacker works for maximum growth. And so if you have this logo in your trail camera photos. Now, the one thing that I want to very, I don't know if aggressive is the word I want to use, but aggressively say that it does not have to be a stacker product. It could be a fox hole, drive a stake in the ground, put the works logo there. And if a fox comes in and you get a really cool photo, submit it. Because if you get chosen, you can win. If you put it on a groundhog hole, if you, climb, I, I actually, I'm gonna con- consider doing this. I have a red tail hawk nest that's on my farm and I'm gonna get my, my tree stand climber and I'm gonna climb up about 50 feet in the air and I'm gonna put a trail cam on that red-tailed hawk nest without getting killed, of course, hopefully. <laughs> but if you have a raven in your barn, nail it to the back of the barn, put a trail camera on that raven nest. I, I Just get creative, have some fun. Uh, the idea is to get people doing stuff outside of thinking about the pandemic. And this could be a really fun way to share photos of people from coast to coast. I've got friends in British Columbia that have some really cool moose photos that, You know don't have this logo, but the mineral site is set up. So the plan is stick that logo out there Get a photo submit it and you can win yourself some prizes now the other prizes that we have on there is a $250 Kubota prize pack It's got jackets and hats and a bunch of other gear from Kubota So it's not tractor related, but it is the brand We've got some stuff from Campbell for Chrysler. Rackstacker literally just bought six brand new Rackstacker jackets that are being made right now. So wow. those will be prizes. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of prize packs that are going to be given away for um, the Quality Deer Management Association. So there's, and here's the cool thing this is not a profitable thing for us. We just want to keep it exciting and fun. But every sticker we sell goes into the pot. So the bigger the pot gets, the more prizes I'm going to keep throwing on the table. Uh, How it works is you get your picture. As long as you submit it to my daughter, Ashlyn, at rackstacker.ca, you will have a submission every week. So you take your picture, submit it on the Monday or the Sunday. You're submitted for that week. You have 24 chances to win. And then we're going to take the 24 weeks that you submit. And on Thanksgiving weekend, which is my birthday weekend, I'm going to actually share the winners of those – top people and how those photos are chosen is we put it into a panel of all of our staff members across Canada so all the guys on my team choose the top winners so it's it's strictly random and everybody can have a chance to win so get creative have fun with it get the logo on our website at the contest and good luck it'll
0: be a lot of fun that's that's awesome I'm sure you're gonna have a, a slew of people entering into this contest, Steve, and uh, I'm sure the prizes are just going to climb and grow from there. And it's uh, it's great. I can't wait to see some of the photos. You know,
1: we've gotten some really great stuff over the years. I've got huge elk. I've got some, um, some moose from KB Lodge, you know, chewing on the mineral fountain. I've had photos of sows with four cubs, four brown bear cubs. Like those are the types of things that we want to share with people. But I'm honestly, I'm one guy trying to get all these photos and, you know, Ricky says, you know, Jeff sends a photo and this guy sends a photo. Well, I don't want to be that that guy that bombards everybody with Facebook posts. That'll just drive you bananas. But imagine at five o'clock on a Monday night, you know that those photos will be posted. So it goes from 24 pictures to 60 pictures to 90 submissions. Well, then you got all these really cool photos submitted by guys that have just gotten some really stellar photos. And it's. I also have to very, very clearly explain that this is 100% confidential. I, I will not put names on the photos. So yes. if Matt from Calgary submits a picture of a giant 190-inch white-tailed deer, for one, he submitted it, for two, I'll never mention his name of who had it. So if anybody's asking, where'd that come from? Canada. Because I don't want anybody knowing that it came from Matt. I don't want anybody knowing that, you know, Jeff has this great deer and everybody knows where Jeff lives. (laughs) I don't need that. (laughs) So the confidentiality is there. However, when the names are submitted for the prize, we will announce Jeff won. But we're not quite sure whether or not we're going to share the photo because I don't want, it might be just a random. Like here's the 24 winners. Here's the photos that they won. And Jeff won the gun and they can make their own decision from there. But I don't want to be telling people that this guy's got a giant buck because, you know, I'm going to be in trouble. You'll be
0: bombarded with people hunting on top of you. No time. I lost you there for a second. I said you'll have people jumping on top of you to to hunt where you're hunting in the future. So having that aspect there with the confidentiality is is a plus there, Steve. You there, Jeff? I'm here. Can you hear me? Hello. We lost, yeah, I think. Oh, there you are. Can you hear me now? Jeff? Yeah, can you hear me? Hello. 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 Yeah, Steve, can you hear me? I can, can you hear you. Okay, you can hear me. I can hear you. So we can't be totally broke communication here, I don't think. Can you hear me? You froze up for a second, Steve. Must be on your side there. Can you hear me now, Steve? Hello. Hello. Can Hello, you I hear am. me? Breaking up bad. Can you hear me? Hey, Steve. Can you hear me? I lost uh, Steve there. Uh, Technical issue, I guess. Uh, I'll get him back on here uh, in a second. Uh, Bear with me. Let's see if he uh, rejoins uh, for the last word here. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Text message out to Steve. So hopefully, Steve, if you see that, uh, can you rejoin? Uh, Let's see. I don't know why we had that. But I guess you got to expect that when you go live. Uh, So I see here that I'm still live, obviously. Uh, If there's any viewers there uh, that can hear me, shoot me a comment just so I can confirm. Uh, obviously being live, I can't hear myself. Uh, Steve just texted. He said it was on his end. So. All right, man. Yeah, that's my fault.
1: The joys of living in the country.
0: I ended up losing internet twice now. Uh, you know what? Uh, no big deal. We're, we're, we're pretty close to the end here. I think we've answered everybody's comments and, uh, questions. Obviously, uh, we run a little over the, the hour and a half mark, obviously. Uh, with, uh. With everything said and done, do you have any final words there, Steve? You may want to say before you before I let you go.
1: Well, I, I'd like to invite everybody to the Rackstacker website. I um, I've, I've updated as much as I possibly can on there because you know the questions are always coming in. What do I do here? What do I do there? What do I fertilize with? How do I attract deer this time of year? You know, what are the discount codes? We try and do everything through the site. To make it easy for everybody. However, not everything is there. So if you have a question, by all means, just drop me an email. You can go into the contact us and just, and it goes directly to me. Um, another thing I will tell you, um, if everybody wants to grab a pen, I'll give you a 1-800 number and you can call it. It goes directly to my cell phone. And um, I, I recently started doing that Because, you know, our store is, again, a rural area. We're running off of an internet phone. So, unfortunately, it's sometimes challenging because you call and it breaks up just like what's happened there recently. Um, However, if you call the 1-800 number, I can answer your questions quickly and just get things done so you don't have to wait for us. Another thing I'd like to say is we have a, a decent following on social media through Instagram and Facebook. If you're wanting to know anything there, I can answer on the fly. So if you're in the field, you know, doing a food plot or, you know, have a question about the contest that may not be already answered on the site, by all means, drop me a line on social media and Facebook and ask me the question. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. I do have an IT guy, uh, Tyrell, that monitors it for us. So he'll be able to answer questions if he's aware of the answer and, and drop you the answer that you need to make sure that uh, it's in a timely manner as we get into the fall, um, if you find a dealer that is on our network or on our website that is not keeping the end of the bargain by making sure that you have product, um, from Rackstacker, please let me know because I don't take that lightly. Uh, it's the, my number one concern is making sure that our consumers are killing deer. <laughs> and that's the end of the game, man. Like I want guys to be happy and successful and if you're out there working hard to make sure that your food plots and mineral sites are set up for the fall, we want to make sure that you're taken care of. And unfortunately the COVID's gotten in the way of that. So until the COVID is lifted, we're going to make sure that you guys are taken care of. We'll get stuff shipped through the website and then uh, hopefully this will lift here quick enough and we'll get back to our dealerships.
0: Perfect. Uh, we've got a few people there. Uh, William wants to try the, the cupcake slop uh, when it's out. Uh, this was an awesome live feed. Thanks again uh, for the live show. I uh, appreciate bro. that. Uh, and Ricky there, uh, yes, uh, it was an awesome show. So, again, to the viewers, I appreciate that. Uh, Steve, I know you mentioned a the number there for people to contact you. Uh, if you want to run it off there, I could probably get it on. Uh,
1: Sounds good. I'll, I'll run it
0: off if you want to type it up too. It's one yep. um, uh, yeah,
1: 800 yep. You good? Yep. 945 mm-hmm. 1846. Boom. Boom. Shaka Yeah. That's the number. You call. Don't call now because I'm not gonna answer. <laughs> 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 call during the day. Normal normal work hours. Anything up between nine and six. But uh if you if you call that number, I have no issues in answering it. It goes direct to my cell phone, and then we can get you fixed up.
0: Perfect. And uh Uh, Before you go, Steve, I'm just going to take both of us off the the live feed here, uh, and uh, I'll have a quick chat with you before you go. Uh, uh, You'll be offline here shortly, and I appreciate you taking the time to join uh, myself on uh, Coast to Coast Outdoors for Episode 6.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me on,
0: man. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate the offer. I appreciate you being on the show. Uh, Just bear with me one sec, Steve. Uh, I'll have a quick chat with you after I log off here. So folks, uh, that concludes, uh, episode, uh, six of coast to coast outdoors. We had Steve Elmy with, uh, with, uh, the rack stacker owner of, uh, rack stacker, obviously, uh, also homegrown hunter, uh, TV show. Uh, you can check out his products. Uh, they are in the, the info to this video, to his website. The links are all listed there rack products and i believe homegrown hunter as well as the contest that steve has mentioned so uh again check out uh, that uh check out his product uh well, I'll, as many seen the comments from viewers uh kind of it sells itself uh very easily so with that said uh, again thanks to the viewership for watching coast to coast outdoors episode six uh stay tuned tomorrow uh, i have uh, greg balsh on the show uh, for episode seven. Uh, Greg is the owner of, uh, bear with me here one second. Greg is the owner of the Community Wildlife Management Workshops, and he is originally from London, Ontario. Uh, we've had him in Nova Scotia uh, twice now uh, with uh, with uh, support of the Nova Scotia Habitat Conservation Fund, uh, which is solely funded by hunters and trappers, as well as uh, CWTF, had uh, supported his, uh, his trip to Nova Scotia to uh, educate uh, school students on the, the food web and the ecology, as well as uh, the life cycles uh, involved with uh, wildlife. So stay tuned for tomorrow's episode. Uh, we will have him on. Uh, that would be 1 p.m. in Ontario and 2 p.m. in Atlantic, Canada. So with that, folks, I appreciate you for staying tuned and uh, enjoying the show. Uh, With that, I'm off. Thank you.